We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we're going to jump in the mailbag now, and we've got some super chats that we're going to get into here. And Charlie Weiss's last belt, Lewis Super Chat. Thank you, Charlie, very, very much. He goes, I look forward to this year. Sam Hartman will target all the receivers, not just one or two guys. I hope the freshman receivers can make an impact. Have a good day, IB. I mean, I think that's the hope, right? And, and, And where does that hope come from? Where does that expectation come from? And it comes from what we saw at Wake Forest. I mean, look, Wake threw the ball a lot more. But one of the things I liked about Sam Hartman is he spread the ball around. I mean, there were six guys last year at Wake Forest that had 24 or more catches. There was no one guy that just like got all of it, and then there's this huge drop-off, right? Like you had 18 pairs, 81 for 1,096, but then you had 47, 42, 39, 37, 24. You had four different guys catch six or more touchdown passes. You had three guys that caught nine or more touchdown passes. And you had an, and you had a one receiver with 32, 37 catches, another with 42, another with 47, and another one with 81. And then his tight end, his tight ends last year caught 33 passes. His running backs last year caught uh, not, a, not a ton, 11, 14, 15 passes. So he's going to spread that ball around, and, and that's what we saw from him in college. Now, it's a different offense, and you hope that it'll translate to Notre Dame, and you think that it'll translate to Notre Dame. But of course, we've got to see it, and that's going to be—that's obviously going to be part of of the package. But I think that's why a lot of people are excited about what about what Sam Hartman brings to the table. And and I think if Tyler Buckner's a quarterback for whatever reason, I think we saw that from him in the bowl game too—that he's going to spread the ball around. He's going to he's going to read the defense and try to get the ball where it needs to get to. I mean, he hit at least four different players for big plays in that game. When I mean big plays, I'm not talking necessarily about yards, big plays, but I mean big plays. The touchdown pass to Braden Lindsay over the top. He had two huge throws to Jaden Thomas. Uh, you had the, the pass to Logan Diggs that went for 75 yards. And then you had, uh, I mean, I know that that, uh, that the Mitchell Evans had the touchdown pass, but that wasn't even the biggest play of the game for me. It was earlier in the game on Notre Dame's first touchdown drive when it was third and 15 and he climbs the pocket, hits Mitchell up the seam and Mitchell catches it and then makes a couple guys miss and gets the first down. He hit Chris Tyree with passes. He had Audrick Estimate with, with a pass. Uh, you know, he, he really was able to spread the ball around. So whoever the quarterback is this year, I expect them 
to spread the ball around a lot more. We've got roasted Spanish chestnuts with a super chat. Thank you very much. Nothing to say. Keep it up. I love IB crew Alberto. So yeah, you're always mixing up your names. You mix it up on the board. You mix it up here, but we love it either way. Alberto. Thank you very, very much. That's our, our friend from Spain. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. We got a super chat here from Kirk Cousin, or excuse me, Kirk D. A. Anderson Fitness. And Kirk says, Great show. We have the best O line coach, put O line players in the NFL, and they perform well. Why don't we get the very best O line high school players each year? Um, what makes you think that they don't? I mean, here, here's the thing they got guys that, that Harry Heastan wanted, with the exception of Monroe Freeling. I, I'll be honest with you. Everybody at Notre Dame loved Samson Okanlola's talent, but I don't think they thought he was a fit. But when you look at who Notre Dame landed, they got the guys they wanted. And it's always been the case. They, they've never been a team that fills up with five-star offensive linemen. If you think about it, during Harry's tenure, he only signed, I think, what, two guys that were ranked as five-stars by a service. But the reality is they were not what people view as, like, you know, had somebody on the message board talking about, a a consensus five star guy and and if you're going to use that use that kind of kind of analogy a guy that just everybody thinks is a five star Notre Dame didn't get any of those guys if we're being honest about it I mean you look at Tommy Kramer Tommy Kramer was an eight was the number eight player in the country and was a five star by two four seven but he's ranked number forty one in the country by rivals and he's ranked number ninety nine in the country by ESPN so he was clearly not and and he had to jump up to get in there. Uh, from ESPN. So he was clearly not a consensus five-star kid. And Quentin Nelson, I think ESPN had outside of the top 100. So he was ranked as a five-star by rivals who had a number 29, but he's ranked number 75 by 247 Sports and number 175 by ESPN. So even as Notre Dame, as you said, Notre Dame's putting out these highly ranked guys or putting out all these NFL players and all this on the offensive line, but Harry Heastan's never obsessed on landing the best offensive lineman in the country. 
he's focused on landing the guys that that he wants that he thinks is going to make him have the best offensive line in the country. You know, and you see those tools and that upside. So, I mean, Ronnie Stanley was not a top 100 player coming out of high school. I don't think anybody had Ronnie Stanley coming out of high, uh, coming as a top 100 player coming out of high school. I know that Liam Eikenberg was a, was a top 100 guy by most, but rivals had Liam Eikenberg in like the 180s. He became a second round draft pick and an All American. I know one outlet had Ronnie, had Robert Haynes in the top 100, but not all of them had him in the top 100. You know, Ronnie Stanley, for example, was ranked number – the highest he was ranked was number 145 by 247. Sean, ESPN has him, had him as a three-star and the number 34 offensive tackle in the, in, in the game. So, you know, again, I, I just I, – I don't – Aaron Banks, right, Sean, if, if I believe you and Ryan both told me this week – again, I don't watch really the NFL – but you and Ryan both told me that Aaron Banks was a dude for, for the 49ers this year. Yeah. And, Nobody had him as a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. He's ranked, the highest he was ranked was number 121 by rivals. He was ranked 185 by 247 and 278 by ESPN. So, again, who was that five-star guy that they landed in the past? That guy didn't exist. Yeah. Nope. I don't think anybody had Mike McGlinch in the top 100. I know one service, I think at the time, Scout was still in existence. And Scout might have had him in the top 100, but I don't think that they did. But but some people didn't even have him as a four star for most of the time, yeah. and then they eventually bumped him up. He was a number one thirty one by two four seven sports, but rivals didn't have him in their top two fifty, and ESPN didn't have him in their top three hundred. Yeah. So I think offensive line and and t- t- so let me address your question in another way too, Kirk. I think offensive line is a position where is is one of the ones where you see the most misses from the recruiting services, in my view. They have a lot of misses on the offensive line. And why is that? Because I don't think most people doing rankings really know how to evaluate offensive linemen very well. What they look for is that big, huge kid that just dominates at the high school level. And so, you know, I look at some of the offensive linemen that have been bust over the years. There's these big kids. Like I, there was a kid that just transferred from LSU that was a five-star kid. He was just, you know, squatty guard that just killed people in high school. And I'm like, this kid has the worst technique I've ever seen. And, and here's an example. I was having a, a conversation with a, a person who's involved in rankings and evaluations for one of the major services, guy that I like, guy that I respect, you know, for the job that he does. But we're having a, talk, a conversation about that, that big offensive lineman that w- went to Washington a couple years ago that Notre Dame was recruiting. And it's like, oh, this guy's so good, and he just dominates people. And I said, let me, let, do me a favor. When you and I get off the phone, I want you to put on the film and I want you to just go like this to the top of his body and just watch his feet and watch his lower body. What you're going to find is he's stiff, he has slow feet, and he can't bend. But he's a dominant high school football football player. And so he was ranked really high and, and everybody wanted him. I said, but, but watch the stuff that translates more. I don't care. He's 100 pounds bigger than those kids he's going against. It's not going to be true in college. Watch him. Watch him bend. Watch his knees, watch his ankles, watch his feet. Mm-hmm. And he did it, and he's like, oh, my gosh, dude, I see what you're talking about. Like, yeah, this this kid's going to struggle with speed and athleticism. The next, I said, exactly. But a lot of people that evaluate rankings, they don't look at that. They look at this guy kills people. This guy destroys people at, at, on the offensive line and dominates people on the offensive line. And so uh, that's why I think a lot of people miss. There's some guys ranked really, really high that I'm like, that guy's not – what you think he is Mm -hmm. right but they got the guys they wanted like sean said sam pendleton is not an elite football player 
he is not a top 100 recruit or top 200 recruit, in my opinion. But he is a hairy, he stand offensive lineman. Because mm-hmm. you know who else wasn't a big-time recruit coming out of high school? Joe Alt. And this was pre-Harry, but the, the Notre Dame staff did a great job of identifying him and getting on him. Because I said this at the time. I was very hard on Jeff Quinn his entire career. Everybody knows that. But I said at the time when they got him, I said, look, this, y'all, this is not a plan B. This kid's got upside. That They're banking on the upside. This kid has a if, – if, if the light goes on and he can get the weight up, this kid's got skill. He's not going to be a really highly ranked guy because he's 240 and he's a tight end and all this kind of stuff. But, man, this is the kind of kid that become – would if Notre Dame didn't get on him, this is what he said. He'd have gone to, like, Iowa or Minnesota or Wisconsin, sat for a year or two. And next thing you know, like, by year three, he's like this All-American or All-Big Ten player. And you're like, where did that guy come from? Well, uh-huh. he ended up doing that a lot faster. But the point was, who the, who the heck knew about Joe Walt nationally, you know, like when you look college football fans before this past year? Now, there were some sites, like I know 247 was very high on Joe Walt coming out there, but they had him in the hundreds, not in the top hundred. Yeah. Right? So they didn't even see what he's become. I had him as a four-and-a-half-star upside grade. I love the kid's upside. I undersold it because he's a five-star, you know? So – I think that's the key, Kirk, and, and and I get where you're coming from, and, and I think your question's very fair. I'm not hammering you for it at all, but it's more about when Harry Heeson is the O-line, an O-line coach, he's not looking for the best. He's looking for guys that will be the best down the road, and and sometimes those guys are going to be recognized by some as five stars, like Charles Jagasaw is a top 25 player in the country by on three. To me, they're a lot closer than to, to proper than than the others. But when they yeah. got Charles Jagasaw wasn't considered that. You know, some services have him outside of the top 100. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rivals has him ranked 199. 247 has him 38. ESPN has him 66. He's a top guy, but you know, he's he's not that guy, right? So I think that's kind of where um, where I where I look at and I say that's what they're looking for is they're looking for guys that fit the system, have the demeanor Harry wants, but can be part of a great line, not necessarily an, an individually great lineman. But he's looking at projection, not what they are now. And I think a lot of the misses that happen in recruiting are because people focus too much on what a guy is now. And they see these big physical kids that crush people, and then they don't, they don't, see, they don't see that he has slow hands. They don't see that he has slow feet. They don't see that he's a waist bender. They don't notice that his lateral quickness is trash, right? They just see... This guy destroys people. They look at the pancake, 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 and that's fun. We've joked about how this Notre Dame offensive line class should should have a, a deal with IHOP or something, you know, for all the pancakes. But here's what this group also has: athleticism, lateral quickness, ability, projection, and that's what that's what he's looking for. Yeah, and we disagree with some of the offers at times, right? right. We'll see an offer go out, and we're like, like Joe Otting. Joe Otting was that way. Before yeah. I broke down the film, I was like, why are you offering this three-star kid at Kansas? Yeah. What What are you doing, dude? Like, you look at the dudes you have on the board, and you right. pop in the film, you're like, oh. Exactly. Exactly. That's For me, it goes back to what Kurt said right there in his question. You know, I don't look, I don't care that Alabama puts you in the first round. Line up Alabama's offensive lineman for the last 10 years and Notre Dame's in the right. NFL. Right. And tell me who's better. Right. Although during Harry's tenure at Notre Dame, he put more guys in the first round than Alabama did. On top of that, you know, it's about building players because everybody wants to play at the next level when they come to college. 
there might be some young men that just walk in and say, hey, I know I'm getting to, I'm not getting to the next level. I'm taking full advantage mm-hmm. of this education at Notre Dame. Right. But the vast majority of you guys walk in. Can you imagine? I don't, how does that even feel? Like, because if you're a dude in high school, like Jagasaw, since he's been a freshman, has been a dude. What is it? How do you go stand on the sideline for a full game? After you've been a dude for four years. That just because jumped you in have, my mind. You have faith in the dude that's leading you. Yeah. Like, I've I've told this story before. Uh, remember talking to Lee Meikenberg coming to high school, and he was telling me mm-hmm. how, you know, the pitch that Urban Meyer had trying to flip him from Notre Dame was, dude, you're going to come here, you know, start as a freshman. And he's like, but I don't want to start as a freshman. I'm not going to be ready to start as a freshman. Where do you think that came from? If you know Lee Meikenberg, you know he's a very confident young man. He's not yeah. he's not arrogant, he's not a braggart, he's not he but he's he's confident in himself. Yeah. But who convinced him that he wasn't ready as a freshman? It was Harry. Because Harry was like, you know, you're gonna red shirt, we're gonna get you here, we're gonna do this, we're gonna get and then here like Harry's got your whole career planned out. Oh, and yeah. so when kids don't play as freshmen, they're like, Yeah, I get it. Okay, that's this is what this is exactly what Coach Eastan told me how it was gonna go. Yep. And and that's another reason why they don't get some of the more highly ranked guys, because those guys don't want to hear that. They hear him coming into play right now. Yeah. Now Harry's not afraid to play a guy right away. Right. And I promise you, he never, never promised Robert Haynes he was going to play as a freshman. Never. It's just Robert came in and worked and was like, dude, I'm too good not to play. And Harry said, Yeah, you're right. You are. And so we're going to play you. <laughs> right. We saw Steve Elmer play as a true freshman under Harry. Ronnie actually played a little bit as a true freshman, but then he got injured uh, and got his <laughs> red shirt back because they didn't have that rule at the time. But I and mean, we've seen him do it when it's needed or if a guy's just that good. Yeah. But he's all, he'll, but that's the thing is they're not going to promise you you're going to come in you're going to do this we promise you this promise you that Carrie's like yeah you come in and you trust me I'm going to make you the best player you can be yeah and it's going to shape out how it's going to shape out and guys that want to hear that aren't going to come to their name but again if they don't want to hear that then they're not a guy that's going to thrive under Harry Heastan absolutely and and so it's important that he he find those right fits because if you don't get a guy that's willing to get you know uh, yelled at and cussed at and 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 all those type of things and then you're not going to last here very long nor will you last in the nfl right because a lot of o-line coaches in the nfl are a lot like harry he stand and so um so that's that's why so it, it really is about finding the fit so uh, i hope i i i think it's a good question i because i I've, i i mean you often wonder about that like what why, why do, this dude produces own linemen like nobody's business. Why don't he, why doesn't he get all the five? I mean, you'd think he'd get the number one, the number two, the number three, the number four, and the number five offensive lineman in the country or some, so, you know, bunch of top 10 guys, right? Like he's getting the fab five of offensive line every year. But it's like, but that's not what he wants. You know, it's not what he wants. He wants talented guys, but they got to fit certain things that he's looking for. Like little things like this. I remember one of the offensive linemen telling me, he's like, he was so detailed that like one time a player brought a jacket and it was like not the it was like not the specific like right jacket. It was like it was some little thing, and he made the kid go back to his room and get the right jacket. Like it's just that level of attention to detail that he has. But it's like, but his but the players would be like, I don't understand why he's making a big deal about this. And then by the time they're fifth year seniors and seniors, like, oh yeah, I get it, I get it, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, because that manifests itself on the football field. Because Harry's one of those guys that you can't turn the lot the switch on and off, Sean. No. You're either this way all the time, or you're just never going to be the player you can be. And the results speak for themselves. 
So, I mean, that's that's why. But but good question, Kirk. Because I mean, I promise you, Kirk, you're not the only person that has that question. Promise you that you're not the only person that has that question. Uh, we'll, we'll address this, Sean. Joe Medina with a super chat. Thank you, Joe. Says Justin Scott is visiting Notre Dame tomorrow. On a scale of one to ten, how confident are you guys with Marcus Freeman sealing the deal with Scott? So, real quick, uh, as of it's been about an hour now. That mm-hmm. visit is not 100% solidified. Uh, I saw people getting on 24-7 sports for jumping the gun a little bit. That's not what happened here. Justin told them he was coming tomorrow. But talking to our sources, it's not 100% finalized yet. They expect it to, but when it's not finalized completely, things can happen. He may say, I'm coming, but then he talks to mom and dad, and they're like, no, we've got this function tomorrow that we've already committed to, so we can't come. Or there may be some, his basketball coach might say, no, 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 we actually have practice tomorrow that we weren't scheduled. So things can always happen. Uh, so 24 seven did not jump the gun on this one. They reported what the kid told them. We're just saying it's not a hundred percent certain, but I was told like 95% certain that it's going to happen. Uh, it's just not officially locked in, meaning like the time is set and the, the details and the particulars are all that set, but we do expect Justin Scott to be on campus tomorrow. Uh, it's just not. So I, so when I said it's not locked in yet, some people are like, I hate it when 24 seven does that. And I get it. Cause 24 seven does do that a lot. In this instance, however, I think it was Tom Loy, I think is the one that reported it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't jumping the gun. He was reporting what a kid told him to, that he was going to do. Uh, so we're just giving you a little bit more context of, of there's still some things to work out. We ex- I mean, by the time the show's over, it may have already been worked out, John. I don't know. Yeah. But we expect him to be on campus. So uh, address that. And so then I'm going to ask you, Sean, because I don't know if there's anybody that is as tight you know, that knows Justin and, and the Chicago area as, as well as you do. So I'll kick the second part to you uh, on a scale of one to 10. Cause you also know my stance on this one uh, on a scale <laughs> of one to 10. How confident are you guys with Marcus Freeman sealing the deal with Scott? I'm saying nine. I don't know what's sealing the deal. I mean, ultimately getting him in the class, if that's sealing the deal, then I would say nine. And I guess I when, are you talking like this weekend or are we talking about when he commits yeah, on January 31st? Look, I look. And I said this last week, you know, everybody went crazy when he took the tweet down. I'm like, do you really care if it's February the 31st or February doesn't have 30 that many days? If it's February 20th, if it's March 20th, if it's, you don't care when it happens, you just want it to happen. And that's the ultimate thing. Nothing's changed. I talked to him now, last night. Oh, I, I was, talked to him. I I talked, wanna, can I you clarify that, Sean? Because because yeah. a lot of people are thinking that he's not going to do it on the thirty first because he took the tweet down. He has never said he's not committing on the thirty first. No, and I believe he, never, he said to you that his plans have not changed in that regard. Correct. He, when I spoke to him last night before his game, he said nothing's changed. He said Georgia does it. It, it intrigues him. I mean, like why wouldn't it intrigue him? Look at what they've done with interior defensive linemen over the last four or five years. It's intriguing, you know, and I didn't even ask him why he took the tweet down. I just asked him what, you know, what's going on? What's, what's up with you? And he was like, look, everything's the same. Nothing's really changed, you know, and I'm going through the same process. They gave me something to think about. And, you know, that's that. And from that, could he go public this weekend? If indeed he shows up to campus? Sure, if the if because we've seen him react to things, we saw his reaction, in my opinion, to Marcus Freeman showing up at his school. Then Georgia shows up, 
and then you see something come from that, right? I could possibly see him getting blown away this weekend when he shows up and saying, man, you know what? Let's just do it now. You know, you just never know. Why? Because he's a teenager. Right. You know, right. they react to things like that. So nothing to surprise with what's going on. I think I think I said when he decided to tweet that out, I was shocked because it wasn't what he had told me just days before. Right. With the, the day before. Yeah. The day the, before. The day before <laughs> with the process that he wanted to, yeah. you know, follow out. So we'll see. We'll see. I actually um, – and talking to him, you know, he was cool. And I I told him, you know, I didn't want to press the issue. I talked to him before the game. I knew he had the game. I'm not – I'll talk to him Tuesday. I'll be at the game Tuesday. So, right. Well, and the other thing too, Sean, is is what I'm being told from some of my sources is that he has not set up a, a visit to Georgia. It's not a given that he's going to visit Georgia. That's why we never even said that. That's like, why we didn't re- – yeah. he also reported the next day he had an offer from, I think, Florida. Florida. I think yeah. off the next day. Yeah. Look, I, I, y'all got to understand, y'all got to stop stalking these kids on social media, first of all, because it's like when Cooper Flanagan was reporting, like I've seen people freak out when Cooper Flanagan got offered by Alabama. I saw people freak out when Don Schuler got offered by Ohio State, and then they freaked out again when he got offered by Georgia, and then they freaked out again when he got offered by Alabama. By the way, that not top 200 safety, they got offered by Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. I just remind people of that, right? So you're telling me that that rivals and knows more about a Don Schuler than Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Okay, cool. Let's go, let's go with that. But that's the thing is these kids are going to – these kids, especially the respectful ones who understand, like there's a lot more kids than y'all realize that appreciate where they are right now. Mm-hmm. And the recruiting process can get hectic and get busy, but they are so thankful that they're – that these schools value them in a degree that a scholarship offer means the world to a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to take your time to offer me a scholarship, the very least I can do is say, thank you for offering me a scholarship. And so you'd see all these Notre Dame kids get offers and then they would tweet thanks for the offer. And then people would panic as if like, he's going to look at that school now. No, he's being respectful. He's being what a kid should be. And if Justin Scott gets offered by a school, he hasn't been offered by, uh, two months after he commits to somebody, guess what? He's still probably going to tweet out, thanks for the offer. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored. I'm thank you for this. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what a lot of kids should do. You know what I mean? And so I have no problem with that. I have no problem and, with that. So the one thing that I did say on last week is that he took that tweet down, but he didn't delete any of his interactions with Cam and CJ Carr when they were tweeting at him when he was putting up the pork, the clover and the shamrock. He didn't take those down. So if he had taken those down, then I would worry. Sure. Like we're we're flipping over an announcement date. Like did he take it down to move the date up? Did he take it down to move it back? No one knows. Right. But at the end of the day, where we reported, where he was and where his mind was is that he was very close and pretty much knew where he wanted to go. Right. That's what we that's what we reported on Irish right. Breakdown. And that was right. the day after Notre Dame showed up. Right. I want to say something else too, Sean. If I was advising a recruit 
and he was going to tell me, hey, you know, these schools are offering me. I'm not going to do anything. I say, listen, what happens if the school you're committed to is coach leaves? Or they don't break, they don't make a promise to you, or something mm-hmm. happens to where all of a sudden in two months you're going to need those schools that you pissed off or you blew off or you didn't respect to want to love you again, right? I mean, there's no need to burn those bridges if you're being smart because you don't know what's going to happen. And so that's another reason why people just need to not like look into too much of that stuff, right? Like you said, maybe he took it down because he's going to do it sooner. Maybe he's going to do it later. Maybe he's still going to do it on that day. Mm-hmm. How about we actually let the kid tell people why he moved it before we freak out and assume it's because he's going to do something else. And that's all that I ask people is like, look, we don't need to like lose our minds every time a kid puts something on social media. Like last night, the thing about CJ Carr, he put some video out where he is, uh, where he is at uh, university of Washington, putting on university of Washington gear. And people are just flipping out. Why is he doing this? He's at some camp. Well, he shouldn't be putting on that jersey and doing this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, he's a teenager that a school is showing around along with all the other kids that are part of that camp at 707 and stuff. Like, why not? Right? Like, let these kids live their freaking lives without all of us, like, saying what they should or shouldn't do when they're on a visit somewhere that's not even part – it's not even a visit. You know what I mean? So – I just, I, I just wish some of y'all would just kind of chill out. And then what they're going to do, Sean, is going to take that the Peyton Bowen situation mm-hmm. and then assume that every kid is that way. We've already seen it in the chat. Well, based on what happened with Keon Keeley, I'm not going to count. Justin Scott and Keon Keeley are two completely different kids in two completely different parts of the country in two completely different situations with two completely different support systems. Right. And here's the thing again. they ignore. Notre Dame lost, what, four or five kids last year that they wanted to keep? Mm-hmm. They signed 24. There's a lot of – there was a lot – they didn't – Justin wait, Justin Drake Bowen never wavered. He had big no. time schools coming after him. Jeremiah mm-hmm. Love never wavered, despite what other people reported. I promise you, he never wavered. Jane Greathouse never wavered. Braylon James never wavered. Right? J- Charles Jagasaw never wavered. Do you think schools stopped recruiting Jar- Charles Jagasaw? No. Heck no. Bubacar never wavered. Devin Houston never wavered. Brennan Vernon never wavered. Jay Nosbury never wavered. Drake Bowen never wavered. Christian Gray, LSU and Ohio State recruited him until the day he signed with Notre Dame. I promise you this, Sean. You know this. Mm-hmm. He never wavered. Adon Schuler got offered by Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama after he committed to Notre Dame. Never wavered. Right? And so Micah Bell got offered by Georgia, the defending champs who won another one whose team his brother flipping plays for offered him. And guess what? Thank you. I really appreciate that. You tweeted it out. Never gave it a second thought. So let's stop assuming that every single kid is like Keon or or Peyton because they're those two even aren't the same, Sean. They're completely different situations. Yeah. And, and so just how about we assume this? Here's what we should assume. Every freaking kid is different. And we should always evolve and learn about the things that we get wrong and say like, hey, look, we're going to follow the kid's actions more now than maybe we did in the past where we would believe we'd take the kids at their word. Right. So until a kid gives us a reason not to assume that he's not wavering, don't assume that he's not going to life's too short, man. There's too many things going on in this world for us to be losing our minds and getting bent out of shape because a kid tweeted something that you, that makes you nervous. (laughs) It's like, you know, 
how about we just give these kids a benefit? And then if they do things that make us like, we should have had our antennas up way. I mean, we did have our antennas up. I mean, you guys have made, you, you, you guys know what the comments that I made to y'all mm-hmm. throughout that process and, and, and all that, but we kept reporting. Hey, look, this is what he says. What he says, we should have been more critical of the moves that Peyton Bowen made, for example. Yeah. And, you know, instead of assuming that he was being honest, right. That's on us. Learn that. But unless Charles Jagasaw or unless Justin Scott starts doing that, let's not assume that he's like Peyton Bowen until he starts taking other visits after he commits somewhere. Let's not assume he's like Keon Keeley. Let's assume he's Justin Scott. And then we'll, we'll go from there. That's the way I look at it, Sean. That's my rant for the rant for the day. <laughs> so it can get a little frustrating. At times. So let's get back to some more questions, Sean. I, I said earlier, but Joe, thank you for the super chat very, very much. Uh, I did say during the, the show that we're not going to do a ton of questions, but there's a few that we're going to get to here. Uh, and then, um, Sean, you didn't hear, you haven't talked to him. There was one question from Justin Carlson about, uh, did you hear anything about how things went last night with the name coaches at his game? I don't, I don't think you've talked to him since then, correct? No, I didn't talk to him last okay. night, nor have I talked to him this morning. Yeah. I, you know. I'm sure sometime over the weekend and then Tuesday night is when I'll I'll chop it up with him. But yeah, he um no. I don't I, I would not come out and even if he told me, I wouldn't sit up here and say, yo, this is what the coaches said, this is what right. they said. And no. They were there to watch him play basketball. And that's what they did. That's what they did. <laughs> Here's a question that I got asked yesterday, Sean, and I gave my answer. I'm going to let you give yours. This is from Tyler uh, Binge, uh, mailbag team question. Last year, if the team won a national championship, some said they would they would give Brian Kelly credit for helping build the team. For 2023, how much, if any, credit to Brian Kelly? I'm at 10% this year. It's more Coach Marcus Freeman's team. Sean, what would your answer be for that? And then I'll tell you what mine was. He's gone, man. I mean... I'm just not really into the credit, right? My mom used to do a great job. My grandmother used to do a great job of taking the scraps left in the freezer and making a meal. And you felt like it was a five-star restaurant. So it really doesn't matter what Marcus Freeman got that was left over. He's the chef. It's all about the chef. Like, no one. If Brian Kelly goes to the playoffs, I mean, he went to this SEC championship game. How much of that is Ed Orgeron for this year? So I, I personally don't get into giving percentages of credit. and Like, man, if you're the chef, you know, you have to figure out a way to do what you do and fit the, the men, young men that are there into your plans. And that is a task. So, yeah. You know, I personally, I wouldn't give him any credit. That's just me. I knew I liked you. I knew there was a reason I liked you. I wasn't sure what it was until just now. I don't do that credit stuff. Yeah. Uh, Somebody, I think, I think Mr. 2.0 is trying to get us fired up. He just said, he's joking. We said, how much credit does Brian (laughs) get? Can we do (laughs) negatives? Can we, can we do negatives on this one? Negative 12. (laughs) Now that's funny. That that's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. oh, very well done, Mister Two Point Very very well done. <laughs> All right, let's get to let's get to another one, Sean. 
Uh, here's oh, this is a comment that Joe Medina made that I loved. He said, uh, "A kid's getting offers. A kid's get a kid getting offers from top tier schools means he's pretty darn good. Isn't that something fans should want?" That's the thing that's wild about people that 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 just obsess over recruiting is they'll say in one breath they'll say, "Well, this kid didn't get offered by so and so, so and so, and so and so, so he must not be that good." Mm-hmm. Then he commits to Notre Dame. And then he starts getting offers from all these schools. And then it's like panic sets in of like, oh, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And it's like, how about you just let it play out a little bit? You know what I mean? But like, it's just like we talk about Don Shula got offered by all those schools after committing Notre Dame. Yeah. Some are going to take it. Some, some kids are going to get those offers and leave. Keon did that. <clears throat> Keon got offered by Alabama and Ohio State. And at the end of the day, they had a better shot to get him than Notre Dame did, who got on him much earlier. It's going to happen. It's going to happen if Notre Dame wins a championship. It's going to happen. And sometimes they're going to get those guys. Yeah. Right. And you know, that, that that's going to be the thing. Got a super chat here from Daniel Feller. Says any updates on CJ Williams? Love y'all show and all you do. Thank you, Daniel, for that very, very much. Uh, CJ committed, I think last week, Sean to Wisconsin. So I believe, I believe Wisconsin has started school this week as well. I believe I could be wrong on that. So he is going to be going to Wisconsin. Uh, Notre Dame recruited him, but talking to my sources really from the jump, I, I never, I, I don't think they really pushed hard for him. And at first they weren't even going to go after him at all. Yeah. And then they kind of started recruiting him. And I, I just, there were some people that just weren't ever super comfortable with CJ because of how, because of how his decommitment went down. Like I'll, I'll say this to you. I believe that if Peyton Bowen in a year from now decides he wants to transfer to Notre Dame, I, I think there's gonna be a lot of people are like, no, thanks. Pass. <laughs> If Keon Keeley goes in the portal and calls Notre Dame and says, I want to come to Notre Dame, they, they, as a group, top to bottom, say, yep, come on. Yeah. Because the situation was handled differently in a way that you can still respect the kid and love the kid and know that he's still a fit for you. And so his situation is a whole lot different than, I think, a Jaden Lamar, a Dylan Edwards, a yeah. Peyton Bowen. If, if Elijah Page wants to transfer to Notre Dame and you think he's a good enough player to play for you, the way he handled things, you'll you'll take a look at him. Right. Yeah. And that's just, that's, that's how it'll be. Keon, you take him, And not just because he's a talent, because he handled it with a level of respect for Notre Dame and honesty with Notre Dame. And he didn't change his character and all of a sudden he just decided he changed what mattered to him in the decision-making process, which we discussed yesterday. We need to get into it again. So you'll, you may not like his decision, but there's still a level of respect for him. I have yeah. no respect for Peyton Bowen. None. I'm not recruiting him or his brother at this point in time, but that's his unique situation. I'm not taking a Maureen Walker. I'm not. I might look at another kid that picked another school or decommitted a little more. It just depends on how they handle the situation. And there were just some people that just were not comfortable with how CJ did all that, what he said to their face. And then what he kind of said to other people and just didn't feel like he was honest. And that's the thing is like, I tell all these kids, Hey, 99.9% of coaches and recruits will will understand if you got to change things and will respect you. They may not like it at the time, but they'll respect it. Yeah. If you're honest. But when you play these games and you say one thing and, and, and start, if I start if, if I don't take trust your word, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing. And so just just be honest. You know, and and it's hard to preach that too much to, I can say that, but it's hard for coaches. Some coaches say that. That's why if you're a coach, 
don't get pissed when a kid lies to you when you lie to kids. Right? Yeah. That's a good point. But that's also something I like I feel about Marcus Freeman is I've never heard of a situation where they talked to a recruit and they were telling him one thing that they were telling us something different. I've yet to meet that situation so far. It's early yet, but so far I have not had that had that happen. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, so that's that was that question. Now, here's one from Brent Smith. Uh Recruiting question in theory, using 25 players yearly, your class should inc- should have two five-stars, four, four, 24 stars, and three high-end three-star developmental players. Do you believe this is realistic? If you're talking about what they become, yes. If you're talking about what their rank coming at high school, I could not care less. Brent, you bring this up all the time. Yeah. And I get it. It matters to you. That's cool. But – I'm going to, you're going to get the same answer from me every time. It's like, I feel like you're, you're expecting me to say something different. You need stars to win a championship. You need five star college football players to win a championship. Thousand percent. You don't win a championship with a bunch of really good, fundamentally sound three star talents. You don't. As college football players. The issue that I have is that some people think that you are, you are what you are based on your recruiting ranking. And that's the issue that I have. Michael Mayer was ranked as a five-star and played like a five-star. Isaiah Foskey was ranked as a four-star who was not even a top 200 player. And he played like a five-star. Yeah. Do you you disagree with that at all, Sean? I mean, I I don't Will Fuller was not a, a top hundred recruit by anybody. And ESPN ranked him as, I think, the lowest ranked player in the entire class for Notre Dame. The only kid they had ranked lower than him, I believe, in 2013 was a was a was a kicker, kicker, yeah. a punter. But he played like a five star. Benjamin Morrison was in nobody's top 300 last year, except mine. But he played like a five star. So that's the key, right? Tommy Kramer was a five star recruit that played like a four-star kid yeah right and so where we will all agree brent is that you can't win without a makeup somewhat like this sean from a what they are in college standpoint yeah the difference of agreement brent that you and i have and will continue to have is that you assume too much that this from a ranking standpoint will be what they are and i don't 
I will. There's there's two types of five star linebackers. There's the Jalen Smiths, and then there's the Jeremiah Wusu Koromoas. The ranking profile was very different. Jalen was a five star, and we all knew he was a five star, and he was a five star by his sophomore year. For Jeremiah, he needed more time. Different type of player, right? But at the end of the day, Jeremiah's production over two years was even more was even better than Jalen's over two years. Yeah. Part of that about scheme. But they were both elite Butkus Award-winning five-star college football players. Yeah. And that's what I care about. Yeah. Notre Dame is going to have arguably the best cornerback tandem in the country next year. One of the kids ranked in the 300s, one of the kids ranked in the 600s. North Carolina had a five-star cornerback last year. Would any of you trade any of Notre Dame's corners for anybody in the secondary at North Carolina? No. I wouldn't. No. And then and you that, have to change the narrative. Right. Like Benjamin Morrison, no, I'm just saying this because I saw it in the chat. Benjamin Morrison wasn't an overachiever. No. He was exactly who we thought he was. Five-star upside. I mean, that's he just got there sooner. You know, and I think that's the problem with stars is that, you know, you kind of give false narratives at the beginning when everything should be uh, a blank canvas for right. these young men as they come into college. Like, Let's see what they're able to paint with their careers. And like right. you said, Benjamin Morrison's just happened a little bit earlier. Right. But what he was this year, Sean, was what we always thought he was going to be at some point in time as career in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Like, look, y'all, you, this in this channel, anyone that's been here for a long time, if you're new here, go back and listen to some of the shows we did on Benjamin Morrison last year. I, Sean, I've been saying from day one that he was going to be this guy. And how much pushback did you give me? None. None. Right? So somebody said Sauce Gardner was in the was he wasn't even a top thousand. Right. Stetson Bennett was not a top thousand player. Ladd McConkey was not a top thousand player. Right? They were champions though, starters and champions at key positions for them. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Davis was not a top hundred player. I think Jordan Davis was a three star. Jalen Carter was a five star. Yeah. Both great players in college. They both played like five stars. Jamar Chase, somebody just brought this one up. Jamar Chase was a five-star recruit, I believe, coming out of high school. I mean, it, you knew what he would be, right? He was mm-hmm. he was a dude. And um, what's the the Justin Jefferson was not. No. Right? And so I'm actually going to look up Jamar Chase's uh, ranking because I, I believe he was a five-star. I know he was a top 100 guy. Let me just look and see if he was definitely a five-star for sure. I, I But I believe he was, Sean. Um he was top 100, 247 ranked him as a five-star. But here's another reason why rankings matter don't matter to me. 247 at Jamar Chase is a five-star player, the number 19 player in the country. Sounds about right, correct? Yeah. ESPN had him ranked number 42 at receiver in his class. They had Jamar Chase as the number 42 wide receiver in the country. Right? So, But here's my point. Justin Jefferson was not even in the top 2,000. Both great players, right? Both five stars in college, both first round draft picks, both dudes in the NFL, correct? I mean, I, I just look at stats, so I, yeah. you know, I watch. But I, when I watched Jamar in the playoffs last year, because I do watch playoffs, he's a five star. Justin Jefferson's putting up numbers. Didn't he like lead the league in catches this year? I believe something yeah. like that. Yeah, got there completely different, completely different ways. But in college, they were five star players, and that's the key. They yeah. got Brent. You are spot on, dude. You are so correct, and you're correct every single time. 
if you would change the narrative to what they are in college, we'd be on the same page. Yeah. Because because two a year gets you like eight stars over the course of a four year period. That's about right for me. Now yeah. the key is Sean. There's got to be some spreading out of what those elite players are. If, if if over the course of four years you get eight five stars and they're all offensive linemen, you're going to be pretty good at certain parts, but you may not be good at others. Right. What I like about what Marcus Freeman is doing, he's starting to bring in more five star upside guys at corner, at running back, at receiver, at linebacker, at you know what I mean. Like other than safety, we're seeing him bring in those type of guys at at not just offensive line and and tight end and you know what i mean like we're starting to see it spread out to positions where they weren't getting that kind of guy yeah year after year after year right and i think that's important so so brent if we could just change the conversation to those you need those type of players to be part of your class for what they turn into then spot on with you same page buddy but if you're going to continue to insist that they have to be that as High school recruits, I'm just, I just can't get there with you, you know, because some some five stars are going to be like Justin Scott, Sean, like yep, that's a dude. We know he's a dude, but other five stars are going to be a little different, a little different. Right? Like uh, what you know, there's this cat that plays for the St. St. Louis Rams or the Los Angeles Rams now, right? Yeah, you know, pretty darn good player in college, pretty highly ranked draft player. You you, you might know who I'm talking about, Sean. Have you ever heard of this guy named Aaron Donald? You ever heard I of have. Okay. My most was, embarrassing uh, pro- projection in uh, draft history, but oh, what'd you say? Oh, yeah. he was going to be a boss. Oh, man, I saw him play Notre Dame, and I saw Zach Martin have a oh, pretty good night against him, and I was like, "Oh, his Ronnie Stanley and Steve Elmer put in work on Aaron Donald in that game, and Zach and, I, and Zach Martin got him too." Yes, and I came away from that game like, "Oh, he's trash!" Like, this, yeah. what are they talking about? Right. <laughs> yes, that's and you know. Hey, we wrong. all have those misses. I we all have wrong. those misses. We all have those I based, misses. I based it on one game. Correct. Against Correct. a pretty but good That was a fan games. reaction, not yeah, a you was, broke down film in your NFL right. draft. Analysis. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the point is, Sean, do you know what his grade was on 247 Sports? They didn't even they didn't even think he was good enough to rank. Actually, that's unfair because I think that was a year before they started. Rivals ranked him as a three-star recruit and the number 37 player in the a defensive lineman in the country. ESPN ranked him as a three-star player and the number 22 interior defensive lineman in the country. He ended up being a great player, right? Yeah. So you can get there in different ways. But the point is you need someone to become him in college. I don't care if it's a three-star kid that that everybody overlooked or a five-star kid day one. The point is you need someone to be what Justin Scott, we think Justin Scott's going to be. I don't care if he's a five-star like Justin Scott or some three-star kid that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care because number one, sometimes you misevaluate. Number two, some kids develop differently. Some kids are five stars in high school, but they never get a lick better. Mm-hmm. Just suaded it is. Some kids like Joe Walt are 240 pounds when you recruit them. And by the time they're sophomores in college, they're 320 pound stars, monsters, you know? And um, that, that's my, that's my rant on that one, Sean. I just, I think we need to stop focusing so much on what they are in high school or what some high school evaluator looks at and say, yeah. who who are the college coaches pushing for these kids? Who do you believe more, Sean, about a Don Schuler? Rivals, who ranks him as a three-star, or Marcus Freeman, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Ryan Daystaff? Because all four of those schools offered him. The, the three schools that I just mentioned offered him after he committed to Notre Dame. 
during his senior year, a senior year that made rivals think they needed to drop him down to a three star. So who who do you who do you trust more in that scenario? Rivals or those coaches? Which goes to you always say if you see Notre Dame get an offense get on an offensive lineman that has an offer from Iowa or Wisconsin. Yep. Right. Notre Dame is starting to be the school that other schools look to. Yeah. To say, oh, Notre Dame offered them. They're doing that at corner a lot too. Yes. With the last two years, you go look at the deep, the, the corners that that Mike Mickens offers and Freeman offers. Watch what happens to them after those kids get offered by Notre Dame. Just go watch. Because that that's that's important. Hey, Sean, mm-hmm. here's another one. When Benjamin Morrison, one of the reasons that I felt good, like sometimes I'll evaluate a kid and rank him high, and like nobody else does, and his offer list isn't impressive. And I'm like, I yeah. gotta watch this kid's film again because because I'm in, I'm on an island over here. The reason I never ever wavered from my evaluation of Benjamin Morrison is because Nick Saban's not going out to Phoenix and pushing as hard as they were for this kid if he wasn't a dude. Jimmy Lake is not doing everything he can to get this kid away from Notre Dame, negative recruiting, all this other stuff. And and say what you want about Jimmy Lake as the head coach and D coordinator, that dude can evaluate and coach corners yes, as good as anybody in college football could over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. right? So Mike Mickens is battling those two dudes for Benjamin Morrison. That told me, no, Brian, you're right. Because it's like you said, one of the things I was told this, one of the reasons I fell in love with Zach Martin this is real early on is I was told by somebody that he was their I was number one offensive line prospect in the Midwest over Chris Watt over some other highly ranked guys. And I said, okay, let me take a look at this kid. And you're like, okay, I, I see it. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Knowing that that's who Kirk Ferentz wanted mattered to me. Right. Now yeah. those schools will have misses too. Right. Oh, but, yeah. but again, that should help you kind of feel like, Hey, I don't, I don't think this kid's that good. Or, or if you're not someone who evaluates film, but you're just looking at a kid who's a three star, low four star, right? You fo- you can't always follow offers because offers aren't always committable. And there's some, you know, Bama may view a kid as a role player; they don't view him as the next, you know, D Milner, right? right. But you you got to pay attention to some of that stuff. And so when a Don Schuler gets dropped to a three star, but as a senior he got offered by Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama, that should tell you something. He's not mm-hmm. a three star. Now, did they think he was going to be Mika Fitzpatrick? No, they didn't. But they thought he could play there, and that should tell us something. Yep. So that's where I'm at. So, Brent, I, I, I like his breakdown, though, Sean. Yeah. I do think that's about where you need to be, honestly, when you're talking about – I could say maybe you could take an, a four-star away or two and add a couple three-stars because I do think there's a need to develop – bring in some of those guys who are who are going to be good role players. Developmental role players, yeah. Yeah, who are going to be – those guys are going to embrace that role of – Hey, I'll be on special teams for four years. That's cool with me. Yeah. You know, you need those kind of, those are the glue guys. And it's okay to get those. But yes, you need the more high intel. And that's where Notre Dame's been lacking. They haven't had enough of that. There's always, they've had the five stars, college yeah. players, but there's too many of those role players types in the starting lineup. That's what, I think I saw this, that, that um, Somebody said this to me, and, and I'm not sure if this is correct, that I think that over the last two years, um, that no, over the last two years, I think they said that Notre Dame was like second or third when it came to like the Blue Star rating thing. 
with college football, which okay. is basically, I think what they said was um, Blue Star, it's something I had never not heard a whole lot about before. But apparently it's something along the lines of anybody that's a four or five star player and Notre Dame had something like an 80 something percent force, you know, blue star rating or something like that, which like is like on the same level as like Bam in Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where they need to be. You know, that's where they need to be. And and it's because that's where you start getting the depth of talent. And I've said this mm-hmm. a million times, Sean, top five. Notre Dame could go pound for pound with Alabama in, in, in 2012, top five players. But the big difference between six through 20, big yeah. difference. Yeah. And that's where that's where Notre Dame needs to get to. Blue chip ratio is what it's called. Jay Henry just reminded me. I couldn't remember exactly how how they called it, but yeah. Um, you know, so that, I mean that that's that's important, man. That's important. So yeah. Anyway. Good, good stuff. Good stuff, Brent. And then Brent's got another one, Sean. He goes, Brian and Sean, what are your thoughts regarding the uh, Florida incoming freshman? That would be Jaden uh, Rashada, who left after signing a four-year, $14 million deal. Are teams really paying this much money for talent? I think the whole reason he left is because they're not paying him for that. And if they would have paid him that, Sean, he's still a Florida. Mm-hmm. But they weren't willing to pay him that, and that's why he's leaving. I really thought that they thought that they could they could renege on that deal, and he and they did, but they did it so late that he'd still sign and so still sign. Yep. And you know what? I'm, th- I, this is probably going to be unpopular in this chat, Sean. I'm glad Jaden Rashad told him to pound sand. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think the biggest mistake, and I said this: look, bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. The eight he has sitting there waiting for him at Florida. I mean, uh, at Miami. Right. At some point. You got to be happy. There's always a greater deal that they say that can come around the corner. Sometimes you have to be content. I think he learns a valuable lesson. I think the people around him learn a valuable lesson. Like there was a reason you were at the University of Miami along with the NIL deal. Right. Right. You just made it totally about NIL. Right. He was going to go to the highest bidder and he never hid that. Yeah. And that should be a lesson learned for kids next year. It's like, hey, look. If you want to make NIO your decision-making process, I mean, we could have a conversation about whether you should or shouldn't do that. But if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. Be smart about it. Be smart. Make sure, number one, make sure that you're going – like I've said this about Nico. Yeah, Nico, part of what made Nico go to Tennessee was he got a big NIL deal. But he's also going to a school that has proven they can develop a player like him. And, and that's the thing is like make sure you're still going somewhere that they can develop you. Yeah. Because fourteen million over four years is not going to be as much as if you go somewhere that can turn can get. Jaden Rashada is a very raw football player with tons of talent. He's incredibly raw physically and mentally. He's got to go somewhere that that can produce that can develop him. And so, if you're just going somewhere for nil, you may not. This is going to be it. This is the last big paycheck you're ever getting, cause because yeah. you're not going somewhere that's going to get that you needed the work. You're not Arch Manning. You're not Kenny Minchie. You're not an advanced guy physically and mentally. You need the work. You're not Dante. And so you need the work. And so you look at Nico. He didn't get as much money as Jaden was promised. But you know what he's getting? Pretty quality quarterback development guy and program, right? right? And that's important. And I would hope more kids would be like, hey, look, I'll take $3 million less million to go somewhere that has a much better track record of producing mm-hmm. people in my position than I'm going to just yep. take the money and go somewhere. Yep. Right? But, no, the, to answer your question, though, 
teams aren't paying that much money, which is why he's leaving. And I've heard a lot of people say it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to be really bad early. And then because more kids are going to be a little bit more gun shy when what happens with, with this. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. You're promising me that. Let me see that money up front because you're already seeing this in year two of NIL. Sean, you and I know this. There were more kids saying, no, 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 no. You're not paying me when I get there. Yeah. I want that money now. Yeah. Well, no, no, hold on. So we're, no, 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 no. If, I want this money now because I don't want to sign a letter of intent and go through the next eight months and not keep getting recruited and then show up and you, you're not going to give me that money. There's going to be more kids doing that next year. Okay, yeah. I want I want my money now. And then what's going to happen then? They're going to get their money now, and then they're still not going to sign. <laughs> and now the, the, the collectors are like, well, we're not promising that money, and we're not going to give it to you up front. So right. then all of a sudden it kind of comes back to somewhat of a normal thing for this yeah. craziness. It won't ever be truly normal, so the NCAA starts regulating it to a degree. But I think you're going to see that, to be honest with you as well. So, because uh, somebody said in the chat, like, I'm not sure Miami would have honored it either. A lot of stories out there about how broken promises in NIL. And even the numbers that we're hearing with Miami, it would have been hard for me to see them giving that kid $9 million because that's a lot more than what we have known about as being promised. Somebody's like, oh, some guy gave him $5 million. So what you're saying is their giant donor did not give them enough money to cover half of what that they promised that kid or about half of what they promised that kid. Well, these collectives are not the university. That's Correct. what people need to understand. Like these people that represent these collectives, they're not the university. They're not employees of the university. And the university can really just say, look, we didn't have anything to do with that. Right. And which is a lie. You know, if whoever was part of the collective, if that donor said, look, mm, I'm not really sure that I want to give money to this kid. Which they shouldn't. It's a terrible investment. It's a terrible investment. Then it is what it is. But once again, it falls upon. We can talk all you want, right? NIL. And, you know, I see people put names. Um, I see people put names of these kids talking about NIL. It's like, dude, please. If you were a five-star, you you would discuss NIL too. You should. It's like, like stop. Get off your high horse. You would discuss NIL as well. Every kid that talks NIL is not about the money. Every kid should and, uh, seek to maximize the opportunities he has now mm-hmm. to incentivize his talent. Absolutely. And you'd be foolish not to. The issue that I have and the issue I think that you have, Sean, is the manner in which it's being used as an enticement to pay get kids play. to go to school there. Yeah. Pay for play is, is ridiculous. Because what ends up happening is kids end up making bad decisions and either mm-hmm. A, they get screwed because they don't get the money or B, they go somewhere because, hey, $14 million today yeah. doesn't go as far as it did when you and I were kids. No, sir. You know, first of all, half of it's going to the, you know, the feds, right, and the state governments. And then the rest, what cut is going to your agent? What what are you promising to buy for your mom and dad? Next thing you know, I got like $500,000 left, and I'm at a crap school with a guy that does not develop me as a, as a player, right? So somebody, C.J. Stroud getting a Lamborghini on – good like there were some people that were pissed i got a buddy of mine sean tell me everything good man i just got a text message from somebody that is it's scary okay i don't you know you figure out you figure out 
like how in the world does somebody get my number? Right. Like I need to go check my like social media. Yeah. To see if like my number is out there because yeah. I. Yeah. We'll have to pretty discuss much. That. Have to discuss that afterwards. Yeah. Um. Here, here. You need to go. You good? No, okay. Good. Like here, here, some I had a buddy of mine said to me when they heard that CJ Stroud was offered like a bunch of money to stay at Ohio State. He goes, this is going to kill the game. I said, no, this is great for college football. Yeah. That's what NIL is supposed to be about. This kid is worth X amount of dollars for what he has proven at the Ohio State University. And what he could bring to your football program next year yeah. as a starting quarterback because of what he has accomplished. Right. And so if they want to, if they want to sign him to some deal to be your spokesman or do whatever else, then he has earned that. And that's I'm good with that, right? And so that's what NIL is supposed to be about. It's 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 essentially for what you have proven and what your value is and for what you've accomplished in college. And I don't want it to be an enticement for to transfer. I don't like it as an enticement to come in as a high school kid. I want it to be about at that. I want it because there's no NIL deal that someone should give you that should be dependent upon where you go to school. If a company thinks that you're worth a million dollars, then I should be worth a million dollars wherever I go. That's that's how I view it, right? And if a school's only saying, "Well, no, no, you'll come here," well, then you you don't really value me. You just want me to come to you know. You just you're trying trying to use an enticement. But the yeah. point is, is like when these kids are getting paid for what they do in college, I'm all for it. I'm all for it because most teammates will respect that. Most teammates will be like looking, be like CJ. Yeah, of course CJ's getting that. That he's that dude. Right? Of yeah. course he's getting that. Right? He's our quarterback. He's this. He's that. He's the other thing. But he's earned it. Yeah. But some freshman walks in the door with a $13 million contract and he can't complete a hitch route? <laughs> Get out of here with that. Now, all of a sudden, that kid becomes a pariah. And now he's – how's he going to win over that locker room? Yeah. You know? And so, uh, NIL, I think, is a, is a potentially a great thing. And every kid should have con- – if, if you as a student athlete have not had a conversation with whatever school you're going to go to, Harvard to Notre Dame to Florida to Georgia – if you have not had conversations with about, about NIL, you are not doing recruiting right. Yeah. But it should not be the driving force in my – the only driving force or the primary driving force in a decision. It should rank in the top 10 for everybody and needs to be in the top five for a lot of kids, but it shouldn't be in your top two unless you're in a situation where your family – like I said to Sean, like let's just say hypothetically your mother got sick Mm-hmm. And your family had to rack up eighty thousand dollars in medical bills, and your insurance I'm gonna pay ten thousand of it. Yeah, right. You know what? I'm okay with that. Or, or, or your mom's house is get you know your dad's house, your whatever the case may be, and you're about to lose your family's about to lose their home. Okay, you know what? I'm kind of okay with it. I would. Uh, I'm, I understand that kid saying I'm, I'm going somewhere. They're gonna offer me X amount of dollars. I'm okay with that. Every kid's circumstance is different. But by and large, I just don't want it to be an enticement thing. Do it for what you have earned at that school. So that's my stance on that. So we, so that's that's a great place to end this one, Sean. So before we get out of here, everybody, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you have not done so, subscribe to the Lucky Lefty, po- or excuse me, the uh, CFB Nation podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all your podcast places. That is where you can find the podcast form of the Lucky Lefty Podcast, the State of Recruiting with John Garcia, and our CFP All-America squad. If you have not done so, make sure you subscribe to Lucky Lefty on YouTube and our CFB Nation channel on YouTube as well. And as always, 
sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Y'all have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.